Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast 343. Well, after a digression in talking about Sarah, her life and her death, we're going to get right back into the story of God and the Tanakh and breaking it down, the Old Testament, that is, into 10 time periods. Now, I've already talked to you about the primeval period. That is everything that happened from 2100 B.C. all the the way back to the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, and that's covered everything in the primeval period, happened before 2100 B.C., and that is covered in the chapters that we call Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 11. And then beginning in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis, we have the patriarchal period introduced. Now, the reason I call it the patriarchal period is because everything changed with Abraham. And we see Abraham not only as a father leader, that's where the term patriarch comes from, patros, arche, father leader, and the head of a particular tribe of people, but he is also the priest of his family. And for a period from Abraham and before, but especially from Abraham all the way until the Exodus, you have this period where you have these tribal leaders who are not only the leaders of their families, but they are also the priest of the families. They're the ones that are doing the sacrifice. And that's what we find in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all of the 12 tribes that we see after that until they come out of Egyptian bondage. And so I talked with you about Abraham and the introduction of the covenant in chapter 12. That is the Abrahamic covenant where God said, I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. I will give you a great people. I will give you a great land. I will give you a great person and lineage in history that is going to be the Savior of the world. In other words, you are my chosen people. And he says that over and over and over again, not because of Abraham, but because of who God is. He chose Abraham out from among all the others. And his original name, as you know, was Abram. And so we've gone over that. So chapter 12, you have the introduction and the call to the Abrahamic covenant. Chapter 15 is when the actual covenant took place. That is when God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you a seed and a supernatural seed at that. You're 99 years old. Your wife, Sarah, is 90. I'm going to give a supernatural child to you that will have to be bringing Sarah's dead womb back to life. And that's indeed what he did. So Israel as a nation is the supernatural creation that God gave to Abraham when he was an old man. Sarah was an old woman. They had a miraculous child and that miracle later became known as the nation of Israel through Jacob, the son of Isaac. Jacob's name, as you know, and we'll see, was changed to Israel. And so as we go through this entire story, we are breaking it down, just like I broke down Genesis in the original 12 chapters that all began with the term toldot. These are the generations of, this is the history of. So God has markers all the way through the book of Genesis. These markers are 
are built around people. You see, God always builds around people. Now, in relation to people, there are events. But what we've got to do is understand that God's interested in people because it is people for whom the events are made, and God designs these events to bring out the good or the bad in people, not the bad in the sense of tempting them, but to test them to see whether they're going to go the way of the Lord. That's the whole purpose of the tree of good and evil. It was a prohibition that God put there because he wanted man to serve him, love him freely, not because he made him a robot. And so this is all the way through the scriptures. And so the patriarchal period, after Abraham, there was the miraculous birth of Isaac. And as you know, he had twin sons, Jacob and Esau, and the story of Rivka, that's the Hebrew name for Rebekah, of Isaac, and how that Jacob was this one who always was grabbing at the heel of another from the womb. And Esau was this man of the earth. He was earthy. He was red. He was hairy. He was a hunter. And Jacob was a keeper of the flocks. And you know the story of how that the birthright was sold. Esau despised his birthright. And Jacob was always tricking him and manipulating him. And so after the death of Isaac, then Esau was going to avenge his birthright and kill Jacob. And his mother caught wind of this and sent Jacob away to Mesopotamia to her family. There we run into the story of Laban and then... And the story of Leah, we call Leah, and Rachel, and a beautiful, beautiful love story. But there was a lot of intrigue that went along with that that was not good. And so we know the stories of how the 12 tribes of Israel came along. But the son that Jacob loved and favored was the son of Rachel. And we're introduced to Joseph, which means adding. We are introduced to him in chapter 30, but he really doesn't come up again until chapter 37 when we read about his exploits with his brothers and really the jealousy and rage that was inside of his brothers over the pride and the prejudice of his father, Jacob. Now, Jacob's name had been changed to Israel. You remember the story when they came back from Mesopotamia. They were making their way back to Esau, back to the homeland, the land that God had promised to his father and to his grandfather, Abraham. He was coming back to that land at the river Jabuk, Yabuk, which is over in what is modern day Jordan today. If you're driving down the Jordan Valley from the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, the modern town, just 2,000 years old, that's kind of modern in biblical history, and uh, driving down to Jericho, down that Jordan Valley, on one side of that valley, to your right, you will see the Wadi Farah. Well, then over across the Jordan Valley and across the Jordan River, you can see a huge canyon, and that is the river Jabbok. And the Jabbok River is where, as you remember, Jacob, still being a manipulator, still being a trickster, after all that he had been through, he was still making bargains with God. And if you'll notice, his personality comes out and his depraved nature comes out as he picks out. Now listen to this. He picks out Leah. He had a problem always with prejudice and with showing favoritism. But Leah, who was his least favorite wife, he put up front with all of her children. And then he put Rachel and her children back closer to him, that is, with Joseph. And the scripture says that he put all the flocks and all the servants out front. But Jacob himself 
stayed on one side of the river, sent them to the other side of the river. And the Bible says he wrestled with a man all night. And now we know that that is indeed who is called the angel of the Lord, which is the pre-incarnate Christ. He was wrestling with him and he so wrestled with him all night that by morning he pleaded a blessing from God and God just touched him and he was crippled for the rest of his life and just in his pelvic area in his thigh there where the socket the hip socket comes together God could have done anything he wanted to he was so merciful to Jacob but he changed his name to Israel one who wrestles with God and wins a prince with God some would say Sarel, Yisrael a prince with God. Jacob really was changed after this and there's evidence of that in the scriptures. One of the evidences that I just went over with my elders at the church that I am working with now, I shared with them how Jacob really was changed. And one of the ways that we know Jacob was changed is because of what happened immediately after that night. When Esau and he were reunited, you remember they got together and God miraculously softened Esau's heart. He was also called Edom. Edom is the same radicals as Adam, and it means red man, and you can read in the scriptures about that. And so here they got together, and after the introductions and all of the Jacob introducing who were his wives and his children, and Esau said, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Come on back. I've got a beautiful place. I've got room for all of you. Let's go party for a while and celebrate the years that we've spent apart. Now we can get back together again. So that's exactly what happened. But Jacob, who's now called Israel by God, we see a change in his nature immediately because the old Jacob would have said, come on, let's go. And he would have done just what he had done the night before. He would have driven those women and children and old people that were with him, his older servants and the lambs and the rams and the bulls and the goats. He would have just driven them to do what he wanted to do. But instead, here's what he said to Esau. He said, Esau, you go on ahead. I can't do that right now. I'll come to you, but it's, it's got to be in a different way, in a different time. Because you see, if you'll look, I have old and young. I have sheep and I have goats. Uh, God has blessed me. He's been good to me. But I have young children and I have older people with me and I have all of these animals. If I go on ahead with you and I don't let these come at their pace then some will die, some will be lost along the way, and some will die. For the first time, we read that it's not Jacob who is number one, but now as a prince with God, as one who has wrestled with God and been broken, and now feeling the effects of it every time he stepped his foot on the ground and remember, I have the touch of God upon my life. I've been broken now. God has touched my life. And he said, you go on ahead because you see, I've got others to care about besides myself now. And if I go quickly, some will be lost. I'll have to leave some behind. I don't want to do that. And some will die along the way. This tells us that there has been a change in Jacob's entire psyche. Now, he still made a lot of mistakes after. He still favored Joseph, as we'll see in the next podcast. He still made a lot of mistakes that way, but it was not the old Jacob. Now he was Israel. Now he was walking with God in a new way. You say, well, are you saying that's when Jacob was truly converted? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. 
I'm saying that Jacob really had a nature change, which resulted in a name change. He was a different person. He was a different man after Peniel, that is, after Peniel. After he saw the face of God, everything changed. Why? Because God became his life. And it wasn't about Jacob anymore. And let me just say to you, if you're listening, this is when we really are converted. It's when it's no longer about us, but it's about Jesus. When it's no longer I, but it is you, Lord. It's no longer me, but thee. It is God taking over our lives. This is so critical because we have a lot of people filling church seats and church pews that Jesus is not precious to them. They are precious to them. Maybe their children are precious to them. Our children are all precious to us, and they're precious to God, but they are not God. We cannot wrap our lives up in our children. We cannot wrap our lives up in our spouse. We cannot wrap our lives up in our church. Are all of those things important? You better believe they are. We cannot wrap our lives up in friendships and relationships. We cannot wrap our lives up in our career. Why? Because all of those things are gifts from God to us, but we cannot begin to worship the gift instead of the giver. Because you see, Jesus doesn't want to be, just like God didn't want to be on the outside of Jacob's life. He needed a reminder that he had met with God, he had wrestled with God, and that he had been broken. And indeed, that's exactly what God did. He gave him a reminder for the rest of his life. He walked with a limp. And when he got to be proud and full of himself, all he had to do was step his feet on the ground and he would remember, I wrestle with God. He could have killed me, but he gave me a blessing instead. Listen, when we pray to God, we need to pray, God in wrath, remember mercy. Because if we got what we deserved, we would all be on our way to hell or we would be in hell. We would be separated from God forever. But God, who is rich in mercy, reached down, he touched our lives and he changed our nature. And we've got a name that is written down in heaven. And the Bible says that one day we'll spend eternity with him. And so we have to learn the story of God. And that's what we're doing. We're in the patriarchal period, the second of the 10 time periods. Don't forget the big picture. We're going down the road toward the period of restoration, which is the 10th period after the great exile, the Babylonian exile, and the Persian king giving authority to go back and rebuild the temple, the second temple. It's important to the Jews, yes, for the worship of the Jews, but it's important to us, those of us who are followers of Jesus, because in that second temple, God stepped out of heaven and came and taught in that temple. And one day he'll come, and he will come to another temple that will be built, and he will rule and reign for a thousand years, and then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we'll talk about that again as we walk on the way. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.